When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. If you see this face, if you hear this voice, that means the San Francisco 49ers have drafted a kicker in the third round of the NFL draft. So... As always, with Brian Rennick and Al Sacco, I am Zane Nackby with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast on the Odyssey Network. And we are going to break down what was a very interesting and perhaps controversial draft by the 49ers in, in a lot of ways. It felt like almost it was like a, like a depth draft because we knew going into this draft that the 49ers have arguably one of the better rosters if not the best roster in the national football league right now at most positions there were a few holes that we talked about on the offensive line depth on the defensive line obviously kicker which is a hot button topic amongst all 49ers fans after this draft which we'll get to but i feel like guys it was they didn't particularly draft for traits like a singular like 40 time or or hand measurements or things like that they they drafted more so for fits and scheme fits which i i appreciate and and that's something where you look at guys like uh you know you look at guys like uh you know dre greenlaw when they drafted him right that was like a scheme sort of draft right and when they picked up aziz el shair the linebackers like they they looked for guys that would fit the scheme and not necessarily like a 40 time or a uh, or or a vertical jump so let's kind of break down these these draft picks here and, and talk about it I know Brian, you're wanting to get your mind off of the Sacramento Kings. Apologies, by the way. You know, RIP Sacramento Kings. That, that was That's a tough, tough one. Game seven. That that was tough. But uh, but I'm sure you're eager to talk about this draft, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, also, to be fair, I gave Kings team less than a one percent chance to win Game Six at Chase. So the fact that they did is like Game Seven was just kind of like, you know, just happy to be here essentially as a fan, and so. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that they got absolutely waxed and blown out on their home court in a game seven. Hey, it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, this draft, I, I will say off the top, Al owes me a beer because mm-hmm. uh, I got more right than in our mock draft. I got three. I was actually pretty impressed. That's, I, that's really good. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's three. I was I was trying to find the my little screenshot that I had of my you know of my mock from pfn and i couldn't find it and i didn't have time to go back and re-listen to that mock draft but uh, i did i i did select jake moody just like you did uh, mm-hmm. and we did not we, we did not anticipate that being in the third round and, and we will get to that uh but i also uh had uh darrell luter jr the uh the cornerback that they took in the fifth round and i also had uh, Braden Willis, the tight end that they took in the seventh round, and I got that round right, which I was pretty excited about. So, yeah, uh, it was it, when you, when your first pick doesn't come till ninety nine, it's not really a draft that you're expecting uh, impact players for twenty twenty three, right? And the reality is, is they they drafted one guy 
that is going to start in 2023. And then another guy that could, depending on how things shake out. Uh, and that is with their first selection, which is safety Jair Brown. And I think the conversation is there because arguably yeah. that is the player with the biggest, I would say, most potential to make an impact not only this season, but in seasons moving forward. I, I, I think Jake Moody will as well. And that was their second pick. So they, the first two picks that they made are guys that I think are going to, you're going to see on the field in 2023. Uh, and some other guys you are as well, but I, I don't think in quite the level that that uh, Brown and Moody will. But Jair Brown, I think, is a home run pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Maya on the, on the, the, the broadcast said that was his number one safety in this in this draft and he was not mm-hmm. the first safety taken so he mm-hmm. jeremiah had him above even brian branch the what many thought was going to be a consensus first round pick out of alabama so much so that he went to the draft and he was in the green room and you always hate it for those guys that go and sit and then don't make it through and there were three guys brian branch will levis and another guy i can't remember who they did not get drafted in the first round Props to Brian Branch. He was the only one that back and was in the green room for day two, and he got selected early in the second round. But Jair Brown is, is a player that, in terms of ball production, it is off the charts. There was not a single mm-hmm. player in this draft that had more interceptions or even double-digit interceptions like Jair Brown did. Ten interceptions over the past two seasons, uh, a nose for the ball, a nose for contact, uh, can play – single high can play down in the box can uh, can cover tight ends you know he's only 5'11 but he's feisty reminds me a lot of Jimmy Ward I don't think that they're going to have him cover the slot uh, they have a handful of guys that I think are are, are going to be there but I, I do think Brown uh, will have an opportunity to see the field especially in like three three safety uh, alignments and things like that and then depending on Tayshawn Gibson's performance going to be 33 before the season starts health mm-hmm. is going to be a concern there uh i i i was i was thrilled with that and uh the the 49ers draft room was as well they erupted in in cheers when when they traded up and got him at 87 i didn't think he was going to be there and when you look at their biggest needs the niners to me it was i don't, I don't know if they agree with me but it was tackle edge and safety safety especially they had they have nobody other than gibson funga that i would feel good about and I didn't think Brown was going to be there. And when they traded up for him, I initially thought it was going to be for an offensive tackle. But then when they took him, <clears throat> I said, yeah, that's, that's a great pick. I loved it. Um, it's a huge need. Like we talked about, Gibson's only there on a one-year deal. Brown can come in, and he's if, if he doesn't beat out Gibson this year, he's presumed to be the starter, you would think, in 2024 and beyond. He's incredibly versatile. He's a do-it-all type guy. He played deep safety, played box safety, played slot, even played outside linebacker at Penn State. 10 interceptions in 2021 and 2022. So he's got great ball skills. I, I thought it was a terrific pick when, when they, I think it's their best pick. Um, it tells you where their, their focus was on the safety position and where it wasn't. And I'm still a little shocked with, well, what they told us was they're putting a lot of faith, faith in Colton Kivitz. They have a lot of faith in him. That's what this told us. And it told us that they see Drake Jackson taking the next step this year. And they also have faith in Chris Kosarek in getting guys like, like Farrell and Austin Bryant playing better. That still scares the hell out of me. I just scares, scares the hell out of me, but they did redo McCaffrey's contract to get more money. And starting on Tuesday, 
uh, May 2nd, you can sign undrafted free agents without losing a comp pick. Um, so Yannick Ngakwe is out there. Um, Jadavian Clowney, I think, is still out there. So there's guys that they so could is, still bring in. So is Justin Houston? Yeah, and I think, you know what, I think they have to. We can get yep. more into that, and I think they have to bring it at this point because they didn't address it. But, yeah, I think we all agree, you know, that that it was a great pick, a terrific pick, and I was really happy with it when, when his name got called. Yeah, Jai Brown, like, if you if you look at some of the tape and, and look at where they used they literally used them all over the field. He would blitz out of the slot. He had the most sacks of any safety. Like, he had five hit, four and a half sacks last year from the safety position, and that's fantastic. So – I think that and 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 we saw D'Amico Ryan's use that that slot corner blitz quite a bit actually, and I, I believe that that's what they want. They want some guy. They want somebody who's versatile that can play all over the field. And Jair Brown is is that guy. So I agree. I feel like that's the best pick. He was, in my opinion, the best the best safety in the draft. And 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 you know that's on a curve because it wasn't a great draft for safeties. That doesn't that doesn't mean that Jair Brown's not a great pick. It just means that I feel like that for the value they got a fantastic pick there. Now. I, I do have a couple other picks that that I really love before we get into Jake Moody because we'll probably take an inordinate amount of time talking about a kicker. But I, I really love the Robert Beal Jr. pick, and the reason why is because it it, it fills that D Ford role opposite Nick Bosa that they had, and I feel like that is something that they've been missing. And, we, and now you mentioned Drake Jackson, and it seems like they kind of lost some faith in him last year. He wasn't playing too much. He was inactive for several games, especially down the stretch. So I think that when you come to that um, that realization that you need that speed rusher opposite Nick Bosa, you can actually get my dog is creeping in here. Can you you can actually get uh, a, a situation where you have a ton of speed on that on on the edge from both sides on true passing downs, and Beal could be one of those guys that is either a practice squad candidate or a guy that you try to develop with Chris Kucerich, Right, you have that wild card there. So that was one of the other picks I loved, and the other one that I really loved was. The the uh, the D Winters pick, D Winters is pure speed at the linebacker position, and D Winters is is a shoe in for Aziz Al Shayer getting getting uh, getting replaced. Right, that's that's the spot I see him in. So those are the two picks to me that actually were really really uh, uh, I, I kind of jumped off the page for me. Robert Beal Jr. is six three, two hundred forty seven pounds. He runs a 4-4-40, a 4-4-4-40. He has almost 35-inch arms, and his 10-yard split was 1.56, which is right in the same range as Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy. Like, the dude is just an athlete, and that is a guy that that is drafted 100% for that NASCAR package on third down, right? Yep. They're going to they're gonna line him out wide. Right. He played, he played outside linebacker for Georgia. Georgia runs a three, four defense. So he played that outside linebacker role. He's used to standing. Right. And in that wide nine alignment, you can, you can get your hand in the dirt, but you can also stand up. And I imagine all they're going to tell that guy is just go get the quarterback. You don't have to do anything. Just go get the quarterback. And, and I I don't even think he's going to be a practice squad guy. I think he'll make the team specifically because, that's all they need from him. They don't need yep. anything else. You can develop all that other stuff later. Drake Jackson's going to be the big end that plays, you know, first and second down along with Cleveland Farrell, right? Inside, outside versatility. But Robert Jr. is going to be just a guy that you light out of a cannon and get, say, go get the quarterback. 
And that's where I read his strong point is going to be. You just got to let him rush. You just got to let him go after the quarterback. He didn't, he only um, had, had a defensive stop on 6.7 of his uh, run attempts, run defensive attempts, according to pro football focus. And he only won 14% of his pass rushing attempts. So his, his numbers weren't great. But again, I think the Niners just see him as somebody that can maybe just get a beeline to the quarterback. But, you know, it's, what did they pick him in the sixth round? Is that yep. when they got him? Fifth round, whatever it was. Fifth round. So, fifth fifth round. round. So again, if that's the thing with a lot of these picks, and it's such a weird draft to judge because other than really the third rounders, everything else is great. Like if you actually hit on anybody else, it's like great. So, you know, it's tough to really judge with that. But somebody else who jumped off the page to everybody. <laughs> was pick number 99. Now I'll tell oh. you what, I, here's the thing. We talked about it in the last show. The Niners are kind of weird. They kind of put a priority on kicker and fullback. Look how much they, they're paying use check in, and maybe they're paying gold. They just put priority on that. Now, if it works for them, great, but that's not something that a lot of teams do. So I knew they were drafting a kicker as high as they could. I didn't think it was going to happen in the third round. And when it initially happened, I was like, holy shit, really? That's high. But then I was like, I'm not surprised at all, man. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all they did this. Moody probably would have went in the fourth round to the Patriots because they took a kick or two or maybe some 11 else. spots. Let's not forget. It was just 11 later. It was 110. Four right. Niners at 99. And you can make the argument who gives a shit. I mean, Bill Belichick's still drafting like he has Tom Brady. I don't know what the hell they're doing in New England, which is good. Let them keep doing it because I can't stand them. But it was, you know, I was kind of like, listen, it is what it is. I know people are going to be upset, but I'm, it did not surprise me. And, and Moody's a, a very good player. PFF had him graded 90 plus the last two years. He's been clutch and he's got a big leg. But here's something that concerned me a little bit. I read that he, he made 62% of his 27 attempts from 40 and 50 yards. That's just too low on the next level. He's got to improve on that. So if you're drafting a kicker in the third round and he's he's not – listen, there's one Justin Tucker. There's one Adam Benetieri, that, Adam Benetieri who's that clutch and Justin Tucker who's that good. It's probably not happening. Those are probably the two of the best ever. Not saying he has to be that, but if you're taking him in the third round, he better be your kicker for the next decade and he better be good and he better be clutch. He better at least be what Robbie Gold was. So it was a risk, but, hey, again, it's the Niners – I, I wasn't surprised. I'm not angry about it. It was a little weird, but I mean, they're, they kind of drafted like they had a loaded roster already. And again, at those slots, maybe, maybe that's just the way you approach it. But I, I was not initially shocked. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, this, this makes perfect sense to me. I'm not, I'm not surprised they did this. I, All right, I, Zane. All right, Zane. All right. Do you, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to go on your rant first or to me? to go and then your rant can be in response to, to to what I have to say because we are on opposite sides of this uh, uh of this situation so what 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 would you prefer to do um I'll go on my rant first because we'll Let's we'll and we'll end with the positive stuff right we'll keep it All positive right. so I hated the pick I hated it I hated it because <laughs> there is no guarantee that he is even better than Zane Gonzalez there's no guarantee like you, you've got and and name bias aside for Zane Gonzalez, <laughs> you have a guy in him who has proven that he can perform at the next level. Who is not an elite kicker, but is a good kicker, and is somebody that you could feel comfortable rolling into week one with. You don't know what you have in a rookie kicker at this level, and Jordan Elliott, who who put out a fantastic piece uh, on this. A couple months ago in or in march about this 
talked about how rookie kickers typically who are, who are drafted by specific teams typically don't succeed in the NFL right away. And this is a team that's ready to win now with the roster. Obviously that's ready to win now, which is the whole Trey Lance debacle, right? That's, that's, that's kind of what, what highlights that. And they spent a third round pick on a kicker when they had a need at tackle and Blake Freeland was right there. He went four picks later to the Colts. So that was where he was going to go. And they need depth. And, and look, Colt McKivitz knows the system. He's been around for a few years and, and he's, he's, he's done an admirable job with in, in fill and duty since he's been here, but they're putting an awful lot of faith in Colt McKivitz right now when he hasn't proven that he can actually man that right tackle position. They let Mike McGlinchey go. We knew that was going to happen. I'd assume that they would either sign somebody or number one, trade up in the draft, or at least pick somebody in the draft to be able to man that position and compete with Colt McKivitz. And it bothers me that they didn't do that when they had the chance. And they instead completely punted on that. And they, well, no, they got a kick on that. Yes, they completely kicked on that, and they drafted a kicker instead, which is essentially, to me, it's a throwaway pick. It's it's a luxury pick, and do they have the roster to be able to do that? Sure, right? I'm not arguing against that. They do have an elite roster. That's fine. I get it. But I will end by saying this. They did the same thing with Mitch, Mitch Wisniewski, and they drafted him in the fourth round. We were like, what the hell are you doing? And he's now become one of the better punters in the league. So – specifically with pinning people deep, right? He is one of the best in the league at doing that. So I will say that I want to give this a chance. I hated the pick at the time, but I want to give it a chance. So I, I cede the floor to you, Mr. Rennick. All right. So here's the thing. I think what people are frustrated by is exactly what you said. Like, well, there's a, there was a tackle. Like Blake Freeland was right there. The Four Niners also picked at 102 and still didn't take Freeland. So what mm-hmm. does that tell you about Blake? Freeland. It tells you that they didn't like Freeland, right? Like yeah. you may want him. The, the 49ers did not. And mm-hmm. the fact that the 49ers explored trading Mike McGlinchey last offseason tells you that they have had faith in Colton McKivitz since last offseason. That if they found a deal that they liked for Mike McGlinchey, they would have traded him and they would have put Colton McKivitz in at right tackle. They believe in the guy. Now, should they believe in him? We don't really know. We haven't seen him on the right side. But here's the other thing. Who else did they have faith in? Aaron Banks. Did we know anything about Aaron Banks before last season? No. Did Aaron Banks play really, really well? Absolutely. Right? So when it comes to, yeah, but this person was on the board, right? Like, yeah, Keely Ringo was on the board. Okay. Who's Keely Ringo coming in and, and, and replacing, right? Why has he fallen that far? You know, some people thought he should be a first round pick. All of a sudden, the Eagles are getting him in the fourth round, right? Uh, you know, edge. Well, again, the I think I think they would have taken an edge if Yaya Diaby or DJ Johnson were there. They were drafted before they got to select, right? And so there was one glaring hole on this entire roster going into the draft, and that was at kicker. No shade to Zane Gonzalez. That was a hole. The 49ers said it was a hole. The 49ers telegraphed that they were going to draft a kicker. Yeah. Jake Moody was the best kicker in the draft. Is he a guarantee? No. Is anybody a guarantee in the draft? No. There's very few can't miss prospects, right? And so 
Would you feel more confident going kicker one than offensive tackle 11 or edge rusher 18 or cornerback 13, right? Like who, who has the, the highest, highest odds of making impact on this team? Best kicker in the draft? Or like I said, you know, a, a, a tackle who isn't even top 10 at his position. A lot of people love Blake Freeland. Brad Graham loved Blake, Blake Freeland. Brad knows Brad knows a lot more than I do about uh, about offensive tackle play. But a lot of what I read about Blake Freeland gave me a lot of Mike McGlinchey vibes. Right, a very tall guy who is light in his in his legs and has difficulty anchoring in in his pass sets. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Mike McGlinchey was. Right, and 49er fans largely loathed Mike McGlinchey. So why would we replace him with a guy that's probably going to have some of the same issues? Now, would he for sure? No idea. So to me, the 49 identified a need and they, and they addressed it with the best player at that position. Everybody screams, yeah, but he's a kicker and it's 99. But why does that matter? That just matters based on how other people view the players that are in this draft, right? And so. I'm not upset by it simply because it addresses the biggest need that they had. And if there were players at 99 that everyone's like, well, they could have taken this guy or this guy or this guy. They didn't take those guys at 102 either. They drafted Cameron mm-hmm. to the tight end from, from Alabama. There are people who think that pick was worse than the Moody pick simply because yeah, I think I'm one of them. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it's, it's because Latu doesn't, yeah doesn't have a whole lot of production at the college level. He's not a a terrific athlete at the position and he's new to the position. He was linebacker at Alabama before he became tight end. He has gotten better and he continued to get better through the season. He became a security blanket for, uh, for the number one overall pick in the draft and Bryce young. But you know, there are issues with this game and they also drafted Braden Willis, the tight end from, from Oklahoma. I would have liked them I would have liked to see them bet on a better athlete at the position than they did in Cameron Latu. But again, mm-hmm. you look at who they brought in on top 30 visits and they, and they drafted a lot of them, right? Jair Brown. Yeah. They brought in on top 30. Darrell Luter mm-hmm. Jr. They brought in in the top 30. Jake Moody. They brought in Cameron Latu. They brought in, uh, I, th- I think in D winters, I can't remember for sure. They brought in Braden Willis. That's six of the nine guys yeah. drafted they brought in. So these are guys that they identified already and they picked them at the spots where they were available. Jake Moody would have gone in the fourth round. The 49ers did not have a fourth round pick. And for everybody that's yelling at their, at their phone or their car stereo right now, whatever, they could have traded back, take back somebody who's willing to trade up. And we don't know that there was anybody willing to trade up Mm -hmm. because if they wanted Jake Moody, they would have had to, to trade back with someone within the first, what, 10 picks of the fourth. Are those guys going to wait your trade up for nine, eight, seven, six spots? Probably. So again, yes. Could they have traded back? Certainly, but it takes two to tango. And we don't even know that anybody was willing to trade that pick. So to me, like I said, they identified a need. They addressed it with the best player at that position. And they did so with what amounts to a fourth round pick anyway, which is where largely the best kickers tend to be drafted. So to me, it's 
it's a real non-issue for me personally. For yeah, other, so, I think, I it's a I big think, issue, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I've got a quick rebuttal. So, um, if and when they're in the playoffs and he's got to make a big kick, I'm gonna be scared, and it's it's because he's never been in that situation before. And I think a lot of fans will feel justified in feeling that because that's why you pay a Robbie gold, right? Is because he was nails in that situation. Mm-hmm. That's why you pay a Harrison Butker in the Super Bowl, right? Cause he, I mean, look, are you going to be a, with a veteran kicker, like a Justin Tucker in that situation that, that Harrison Butker was in this past Super Bowl? I would be on, on edge with that. Now you have a rookie kicker who's never, who's never done this before. Hopefully we'll have experience that, that he gains through the season, right? In these pressure packed situations where, where it's do or die, right? Like Robbie gold and green Bay, for example, right? Like that situation. I don't, I can't trust a rookie kicker in that situation. I'm sorry. I can't because he's never done it before. If he's, he was, if, he if was, he's, he was, he was four for four in the college semifinal against TCU. Right. But the thing yeah. is that they got, they got, you know, they got blown away. right? But, like, but, but he's still, but that's the biggest, quite literally the biggest stage he's ever been on. And he was nails. That's what, that's all. Yeah, I'm you just don't, you don't know until you know, I guess with that. Yeah. That's, and that's what it is. Is you don't know until you know. I hope I'm wrong. Right. I really do. Like, cause obviously like his success is a team success. Right. I hope I'm wrong, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I just can't put my faith behind rookie kicker without seeing him actually do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to blindly believe it's going to be okay. But logic tells me that I need to see, I need to see something first. Sure. Yeah, and this draft was universally wasn't a great draft. Nobody really thought it was a super great draft. I think Chris Ballard said he had 17 first round grades. So the Niners may just be in that position, like Brian, you said, we're not going to take a tackle that we think is like our eighth stringer, yeah. just to take a right. tackle when when we think we could, we could have our kicker for the next 10 years. So it makes sense in, in terms of that. And and look again, if he's a kicker for the next decade, I don't give a shit if they took him in the third round or the fourth round or the fifth round. I, I really don't. So. If it works out, it works out. We'll see. But the Latu pick, I did not like. And I feel like people were still so open arms with the kicker. It just kind of went through. And then it was the, the draft was over that night. And it was like, whatever. He was a security blanket. And actually, uh, 80% of his catches went for a first down or for a touchdown at Alabama. That's great. But he's new to the position. His PFF grades, not that that's the end all be all, just as you're doing research on him. Receiving grades were terrible, 69.5. His run blocking was 50. He averaged 1.03 yards per route, again, which is really, really pretty bad. Like, his blocking needs work. He had a drop rate of 8.8%. Maybe the Niners just see something in him that, hey, we can coach this kid up, and in a year or two he can be really good. It was just a weird pick for me. Nothing about him screamed Niners to me. It was very strange. Um, And, again, I'll – they obviously want to move on from Dwelly and Warner. That's that's the way that they approach this draft, bringing in Braden Willis, who I actually probably like more lots. Who, to be honest with you, yeah. Willis is pretty versatile. He lined up at fullback. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's a good character guy, from what I read about him. He, you know, he's he could be a good blocking guy, good special teams guy. I actually like him more than Latu, but they clearly want to move on from Warner and Dwelly and they drafted two guys to do that. But I, I just thought that pick was, I was like, wait, what? And everybody was still bitching about the kicker. And I was like, well, why did, why did they just take this guy? So again, we don't know who knows what's going to happen. He could end up being great. He could end up being George Kittle's replacement in three years or whatever. But for right now, I'm just, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, I don't see it, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, and, and part of the problem was, the this draft set a record for number of tight ends drafted within the first three rounds, Cameron Latu, set the record um but 
you know, Mayer was gone. Kincaid was gone. Musgrave was gone. Washington was gone. Kraft was gone. Laporta was gone. Schoonmaker was gone. Brenton Strange was gone. Was gone. I believe Davis Allen was gone as well. And so, you know, you look at like, you know, you and I talked about Dane Brugler's draft guide and, mm-hmm. and who was the 12th ranked tight end, but two of the guys ranked above him were still available. And, and, and those are two guys that I actually wish they would have gone with just because they're just better athletes at the position uh, that you can, that you can bet on now, all three mm-hmm. of them, and then who were above him for Brugler were Josh Wiley. Uh, and I talked about I talked about him in our mock draft and then Zach Koontz and Zach Koontz is the the six seven two fifty five uh, tight end from uh, Old Dominion uh, that ran a four five forty like again raw at the position but so is Latu you know and and I would rather bet on athleticism than anything else right if if you're gonna get a raw prospect bet on athleticism like Robert Beal right. You're betting on the athleticism. Is the pass rush there? Not really. He doesn't have pass rush moves. Those are things that he can learn, right? But you're betting on the athleticism. I don't know what they're betting on with Latu. That's the thing that I don't know. Yeah, similar to D. Winters as well, right? They're betting on athleticism, like just sideline yeah. to sideline speed. And really, like you don't, you don't have you have McQuarrie Ball, and and you know you've got a couple other guys that are vying for that position to to replace Aziz, and there's really no clear-cut starter there it's a bunch of like special team guys basically so i think that you know d winters is one of those guys that will is athletic that that you will probably see at some point start like i think he makes the team and i think he starts so um you know when you look at what they did with latu he was the only time i will say this so so to walk everybody back a little bit cameron latu was the only tight end that was invited to george kittle's tight end university he was the only rookie tight end or dra- like go. tight end that was in draft class. So <clears throat> I think that this was very largely like a, like a, a, a lobbying by George Kittle pick more than anything, because he saw, he saw what he liked out of him. And he, he probably went to management. I was like, Hey, I worked with this guy personally, you know, saw how he was. He has a lot of potential, whatever it may be. And he probably lobbied for them to select him. And when your one of your offensive MVPs comes to you with that sort of, I'm assuming, feedback they're going to listen and when they have those picks to kind of use on on players like that project players if you will whatever they they took that chance so i'm okay i'm okay with that so i'm people may call me crazy because i criticize a kicker pick but i'm okay with like the project tight end pick that went shortly after that but but i will say that you know like these are the types of picks that that brought like george kittle here right where where he was you know kind of a project tight end didn't really catch much and they didn't know what he could do, but, but I will say that he was an elite blocker, right? Like that, that ability was all that, that was, yeah, that was there. So, so interesting stuff, but yeah. 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 So we talked, I think we all like the looter pick. I thought that was a good pick for the fifth round. He's 22 passes defended in 23 games. He's long as athletic. We talked about deal. We talked about winner talked about Willis, the pick that I'm interested in, not interested. I guess I was surprised again that they didn't take a wide receiver sooner. There's all this talk about them looking at wide receivers. And mm-hmm. I thought they were going to, I thought even maybe in the third round, I, I thought they would take a wide receiver. And there is, there are question marks after the season. Does Juwan Jennings stay around? Ray Ray McLeod will probably be gone. The Ayuk and Debo thing, I know they want to keep both of them, but who knows? So I thought maybe they would make someone a priority. Maybe they like Danny Gray. 
we'll, we'll see. It's tough to judge rookie wide receivers. You know how Kyle Shanahan is with rookies sometimes anyway. So we could see this year what they really think of Craig. But they wait until pick 253 to take Ronnie Bell from Michigan. And he was a four-year starter there, 62 catches, 889 yards last year. So that's a really productive year for college. He's a well-rounded dude. He's a good blocker. Um, he did struggle with contested catches. But, you know, look, this is an offense that will kind of scheme you open. I was surprised, again, that the Niners just didn't make this more of a priority. There was just so many things in this draft that I was surprised they didn't make priorities. And receiver was one of them. So they take a couple tight ends. It, it seemed like the – they took a couple linebackers. It was just kind of odd for me in ways, and the receiver position was one of them. I thought they would maybe try to address that sooner or bring someone in, but they don't do that until Ronnie Bell at the end, who I think might end up – maybe he could be a – he's one of those guys who I think maybe could be a surprise for you. But um, we'll we'll see. Again, this, this draft is so tough to judge for me. Yeah. Ronnie Bell, you know, I, I tweeted this out um, yesterday – that if you really analyze the the 49ers draft, the, the theme that you see is that they really drafted a lot of guys that look like direct replacements for, for guys that will be gone in either the 24 or 25 season, right? Um, again, you know, you look at uh, you look at Latu, right, and Willis, then you're looking at Werner and and Dwelly and and maybe even possibly George Kittle in a bit, but uh, you know, again, direct replacements. You look at D Winters and it's an Aziz replacement. But I also mm-hmm. think D Winner's game is very, very similar to Drake Greenlaw, an undersized, really fast dude who used to play safety, right? Same with Drake Greenlaw, Fred Warner, right? They have the type. And, uh, you know, D Winner's, I almost think they're almost identical in body size to Drake Greenlaw and D Winter's when they came out. Um, but again, an Aziz replacement to groom. Because I would imagine that that Dre Greenlaw is probably going to price himself out of San Francisco just based on his play last season and the next. Right. Season. I got a two year extension. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Bell is a possession receiver again, very similar to Juwan Jennings, not in size and not in not in blocking ability, but just in that that kind of possession receiver, you know, chain mover type type deal. And then you know you look at Robert Beal. Robert Beal is the Samson Ebukam replacement, right? So. You know, and Daryl Luter Jr. can just uh, again uh, could be an Ambry Thomas replacement. Ambry Thomas. Yeah. We don't know yeah. if what they what they think of him, right? And then Jair Brown is the Tayshawn Gibson replacement. Uh, could be this season, more than likely next season. So, you know, it, it there's just that that emerges there, and I think that's I think that's what smart teams do, right? They draft a year or two away, and you may you may strike gold and get a guy that that contributes right away but for the most part you've got an entrenched starter at every position on this team except kicker right and that was why again that pick mm-hmm. didn't bother so you know can some of these guys come in and compete and and maybe take over a spot maybe right we're talking about d winters and and whether he can win that role to replace aziz you know again beal coming in on that nascar package uh mm-hmm. but luckily, you know um I just think that that this team is in a win now mode and they're not necessarily looking for guys that can come in and and win a spot right now. They're looking they're eyeing a year down the road. And that's where I think Ronnie Bell comes in. And if you uh, Al, I think it was I, I thought they would go wide receiver maybe a little bit earlier. But again, we don't know who who they had their eyes on, whether they were still there or not. And you know, the draft is always a crapshoot. So uh, I 
there's really nothing that that I look at and go, man, that was awful, right? I'd also don't look at it and go, man, outside of Mayor Brown, uh, you yeah. know, I think that's yeah. that by far and away their best pick, and I think they think that as well. And you know, Steve Wilkes said that's my dude. Steve Wilkes, you you mentioned it earlier, Zane, how good he is, how good Brown is at blitzing. Zane, or Zane, Steve Wilkes loves to blitz his safeties. So I think that's yeah. a, a lot of what he saw as well. So again, yeah. just drafting dudes fit the system that we run. And and again, I mm-hmm. think that's what smart teams do. Is that is is that player gonna fit on every team? No, but we don't have to worry about every other. We gotta worry about our team. And uh, yeah. and feels like and and I think Lynch and Shanahan said this in one of their pressers was the most what do they call it the most collaborative draft that they've had since becoming and so you know and 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 it makes sense with when you look at the players and what they fit. Yeah, I think the, for me when the 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 way to judge how successful a draft was is I always like to look at this like did you come away with three to four starter slash role players from your respective draft? And I think they did. And we li- we list off a couple of them. Obviously you look at, you look at, you know, they got their starting kicker now, right? You've got Jair Brown, who's probably going to start next year, but he will be an impact player this year. You've got Beal Jr. Who will be an impact player this year. You've got Luter yeah. who will be hopefully an impact player. You've got, yeah. so you've got, you got some guys that if they're not impact players this year, then one to two years down the road, they they hopefully will be, right? Because they didn't need starters in this draft. They didn't. They needed depth because most of their starting lineup is is fixed. Did they do that? I feel like to some extent they did, right? Like now, obviously, I would have loved for them to draft a tackle or more depth on the offensive line and and draft a little bit more depth on the edge. But look, the, it was it was an interesting draft to say the least. Now, a quick note about Ronnie Bell. So he was he was actually pretty well known for his blocking at Michigan. I, I wouldn't say that he's as ferocious of a blocker as Juwan Jennings is. Juwan Jennings is a dog, right? Like he's Absolutely. he is arguably one of the best blocking receivers in the league. Like he is that good at blocking. And I don't know if you're going to replace that, but Ronnie Bell, like Jim Harbaugh, would specifically call him out as as one of the better blockers in his receiving mm-hmm. group, right? And and I, I did a quick Google search after after Ronnie Bell was drafted, and I was like that for that specific reason. And if you Google Ronnie Bell blocking, there'll be several articles that pop up about his blocking ability because I know that that's what Kyle wants. That's why Dante Pettis yeah. is no longer here, right? That's why I'm, uh, Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse. And Ayuk is a dog blocking too now. That's what Kyle requires out of his receivers is he wants them to block down the field because they can set up passing short, quick passes and screen things and screen passes and things like that. Like, And and he used that blocking. He uses their blocking ability to that to their advantage. So... I think that's where that fit is with Ronnie Bell. But overall, I don't think it was a great draft. I don't think it was a terrible draft. The pundits will say it was not great because they, the Niners basically drafted for depth more than anything, and they had specific players in mind. But I think that when you look at this, you can't judge a draft class until it's three to four years down the line anyways, right? So right now, you may not see a lot of household names, but look, this team, it's produced guys like Talano Ofunga, Aziz Alshari, Dre, Green, Dre Greenlaw, Aaron Banks, guys that, that Jones, have been George DJ Kittle. Jones, George Kittle, guys who have been drafted in the mid to late rounds that have become either stars or serviceable NFL starters. So I expect to see a lot more of that out of this class too. And you'll see a lot of unexpected guys just pop up and be like, oh yeah, that guy's actually really awesome. Because that is the theme of the John Lynch slash Kyle Shanahan 49ers. 
Better be. I mean, Banks was a second rounder, so he's somebody that, that you, you did expect to hopefully make an impact. But my thing, I keep talking about it. There's a two-year window here, and eventually they have to replace the guys that, that they're losing. Trent Balky couldn't do it. I think this team can. But do I look at this draft and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got our next Drake Greenlaw. We got our next uh, Ibukam. We got I, – I don't. So at some point, we'll talk about it more this offseason, but um, I don't know. There's things that were – not for this year, maybe not for the year after, but there's things that, that I think need to get addressed by them. And do I think they're, they're as good as the Eagles? I don't right now. So um, they're a playoff team, but – We'll get more into it, but I think I think there there's some issues that that we'll talk about moving forward that, that definitely concern me. On paper, are they as no. good as the Eagles? No, but no. so don't know because a lot of what the Eagles lost they replaced with rookies, so that doesn't always work out either. And, and Dallas kind of whooped them up front for about three quarters. Yep. Yep. That that worries me a little bit because are you better on the offensive line? I don't know. So it just it is what it was. That could have came they. Dallas lost that game because Dak Prescott sucked, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for three and a half quarters, for two and a half quarters or whatever it was, three quarters, Dallas really kind of dominated the line of scrimmage there. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying the Niners won't be back in the playoffs. They will. It would be a disaster if they were. Certainly. Weren't. But certainly. But are they the best team in the NFC right now? I they're up there. They're up there. But well, there you have Agreed. it. Agreed. There yeah. you have it. Debbie Downer strikes again. Man, let's get out of here. It's Brian Rennick. Please light that beam and send us off. <laughs> hey, Moody Hive is buzzing, baby. Moody Hive is buzzing. <laughs> for Odyssey's 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. For Al Sacco, for Zane Nakvi, I'm Brian Rennick. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Pickers are people Later. too. Niners on three. One, two, three. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.